Hey, what's up, ladies and gentlemen? I'm your host, Amobi Kugo. We are back with another episode of Bank Shots, a podcast segment under a Frugal Athlete Podcast Network. Um, before we get started, make sure you check out the website. Uh, make sure you follow, share with a friend, uh, subscribe to the newsletter, subscribe to the podcast, um, watch the new video we put up. Um, definitely, links will be in the description, so make sure you check that out. Uh, we're going to keep this one nice and short, nice and sweet. Uh, we're just going to talk about the recent rise of athlete investors as it pertains specifically to tech um, and startups. Um, I just thought it would be timely with everything that's going on, especially as we start the new year. So with that being said, let's get to it. So there was a recent article that came out. Um, if you're a reader, make sure you check it out on the newsletter um, on Law and Sport about the the current rise of athlete investors. And I wrote, I thought it was really interesting to see um, the the data and the content they put out because, um, as you may have noticed, if you follow social media, um, we've definitely seen a rise of athlete investors. Um, they do a great job breaking down a couple of factors. Um, that have led to why this is the case. Um, before I get started, let me just put out a disclaimer in there. If you're looking to invest, uh, whether it's sports tech startups, tech startups, fintech, healthcare, real estate, make sure you check in with your financial team, your financial advisor, business manager, everyone that will help you make great, smart financial decisions prudent financial decisions. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and say I haven't invested in deals. I've won some, I've lost some, um, but all the deals that I've done have been um, very calculated. So I just want to put this disclaimer out to make sure that you and whoever you're working with are on the same page and that you're seeking guidance and consultant consultants to help you do your due diligence. So back to the article. Yeah, so the article was talking about the different factors that have led to, you know, athletes and their involvement and their increased exposure in venture capital and uh, venture capital startups. Um, As you may know, there's a couple athletes um, that are now managing directors or owners of their own funds, whether it's a guy like Kevin Durant, um, um, Carmelo Anthony, Ryan Neese, um, different guys that have, you know, done their homework and have really uh, made huge dividends into this venture capital space. Um, but this was talking more in a, in the, in a general capacity as it pertains to like angel investing and getting into deals um, a little bit earlier than um, in times past. So they acknowledged four reasons as to why um, at, this, at this rise of athlete investors Um, is taking place. And one is the growing influence of the individual. Two, access to investment opportunities. Three, athletes as high net worth individuals. And four, athlete education. I think all four points were very truthful in the fact that they all have played a role. 
obviously um, law and sport did their homework and um, I think they hit the nail on the head. Um, if we if we just dissect each one by category, um, we'll go like that. The growing influence of the individual. Um, now you see athletes being able to leverage their following and network to provide value to companies, um, not only in like you know promoting products, um, but also getting other people involved using their network, um, using their brand, their name, um, to make it attractive to not only the customers, but other big time players within the space that they may be trying to reach, um, access to investment opportunities. Um, before it was kind of a who's who when it came to venture capital and deals. And you always wonder why, how come they knew about it before? Now you see athletes and their relationships, they're taking advantage of their relationships. You know, they're knocking down doors instead of just playing on the field. Now, now they're now helping in the front office. They're going backstage in the locker room, different places. Um, so they're using their access um, to get into opportunities. My dad always told me, you'd rather be the owner of a team than playing on a team. And now you see athletes looking into ownership and ownership may not be for everybody, but the access to ownership and to these investment opportunities has enabled athletes to, you know, get these investment opportunities before everybody else, like the venture capitalists do. Um, different um, different sports leagues have created different um, venture funds. For example, um, in this article, it talks about the NFLPA and how they created the One Team Collective which um, is kind of a partnership with different venture capital partners um, seeking to connect startups with current and retired players. So this is a great avenue for athletes to, you know, seek these investment opportunities that they may want, either current or down the, or down the road. As you also may have noticed, salaries have continuously skyrocketed. The minimum salary across the four major sports is minimum 400,000. So you take a rookie player who plays three years out of his contract, let's say, you know, the average career lasts three years. If he's making 400,000 without bonuses, without appearance fees, without anything, he ends up with 1.2 million gross, you know, would take away net. So he has a lot of money to spend, he or she, sorry. He or she has a lot of money to spend. There's gonna be opportunities. So athletes are now looked at as high net worth individuals, which allows them to deploy capital if they do wish to invest. It wasn't like before where athletes sometimes had to get two jobs or, you know, they're on non-guaranteed contracts and stuff like that. And I'm, that's not saying that all athletes are able to make, you know, minimum $400,000. But for these athletes that are, you can see them, how it correlates to them looking to invest a little bit more. Um, that's why you see or you hear about, you know, more basketball players and baseball players and football players um, getting into these type of deals um, because of their salaries. Lastly, um, the athlete education piece. I think that's a big component as to why athletes are um, investing more in the venture capital space before, you know, it was real estate, franchising, you know, restaurants, you know, different things outside of venture capital. And I think because of the education component, 
that you've seen more and more athletes not only investing, but being comfortable with their investments and their investment size. Uh, recently, you know, um, Andrea Iguodala and Stefan Curry, they led the Players Tech Summit um, exclusively for NBA players, but it, now it's expanded to multiple other uh, sports genres where they, you know, kind of have like a summit that educates players on, you know, how to get into deals, you know, how to network, how to read a pitch pitch deck, different things like that, that allows athletes the education um, tools that they need to make due diligent decisions. Um, There's others, there's so many different educational platforms that are out there. Ryan Neese is someone who I highly respect, highly think you should, if you don't have a mentor, use him as like a mentor from afar. He's very knowledgeable. He does an annual bridge summit that allows um, athletes at different levels to learn more about venture capital. There's programs. Um, Another, um, you know, mentor of mine, Marquise Colston, who actually come connected with Columbia to do a program, two programs, actually, the Entrepreneurship for Professional Athletes or Venture Capital for Professional Athletes, programs that allow athletes to sit in, work with different companies, different partners at venture capital firms to learn all the tricks and trades into what goes behind closed doors in a venture capital firm. These are just two examples of um, different athlete education components that allow athletes to learn more. And as the network continues to grow, the deals get continue to get done, the education component is going to continue and continue and continue. I think eventually you'll see a frugal athlete curriculum for uh, venture capital, but we're not there yet. You know, I've only invested in a couple of deals. So hopefully, uh, you know, I hit, uh, I, hit, um, I hit some home runs. But here's some facts. Here's some hard-hitting facts when it comes to investing in venture capital. You're considered a genius if you hit two out of ten. So if you invest 10 into 10 startups and you hit out in two out of 10, you're considered a genius. You're on the level of, you know, and, and Andres Horacens. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I just butchered his last name. Um, but you're on, you're, on top, you're on par with some of the top guys. Two out of 10. So say you have $100,000 to start with and you want to invest 10000 in 10 companies. You're hoping... You're, actually, you're hoping one, one hits so you make your money back for the other ten, uh, other nine. But if you hit two out of ten, you're considered, you know, a genius. So it's almost like baseball. You know, if you hit three out of ten and two out of ten, you're like considered a Hall of Famer. If you, you know, if you play your career out, that's how it is with venture investing. So it's very, very not only difficult, but it's very, very risky, and you have to go in knowing this beforehand. You can't be thinking you're going to be hitting the next Uber, the next Airbnb, the next Google, the next Facebook every time. Those are unicorns. Unicorns are, you know, billion IPOs. Those are companies, you'd be very, very lucky to hit those. But if you do, let me just give you a clap. Because that means you know what you're doing or you got lucky and no one can tell you anything, but if you invest in 10 companies, be prepared to lose all 10. And if you do win, be prepared to wait seven to 10 years because it's not going to be an overnight success story. And if it is an overnight success story, overnight success stories are seven to 10 years until you see a return on your money. And if you hit the lottery, get the money 
tenfold, twentyfold, fivefold, however much you put in relative to the market cap and the IPO and the acquisition um, cost. So these are all important factors to consider. So I highly suggest you work with a financial advisor, consultant, business manager. Um, trust your gut. Whenever you see, um, whenever you're thinking about investing in a potential startup um, or venture or anything like that, you could even be a restaurant, anything. Make sure you do due diligence because people will definitely find ways to connect with you. They know you have a lot of money. They know your competitive spirit wants you to continue to build off the money you're making. They used to consider athletes as dumb money. The athletes that, you know, would just put money because they know that athletes have this money to spend, this capital to waste, and they're trying to hit big. They're trying to hit home runs. Don't be the dumb money. Now you see athletes being smarter. You know, it's, they're saying no to more deals. They're being cautious. They're making strong decisions. They're making sure whoever else is in the deal, they know that they have a history of, you know, a high success rate when it comes to previous investments. They're looking at the team when it comes to the startup. They're looking at the CEO. Is has he done it before? Is he new? What like what are what are their qualities? You know, um, they have different things like that. So I think it's really important that you take everything I said um, to heart and take it into your own practice and uh, continue to continue to build your wealth. Um, another point I want to make is that. You know, as an athlete, you're, you're, the bulk of your money is going to be made in your 20s and 30s. Warren Buffett didn't make his first million dollars till he was 31. So in more instances than not, you already have a head start. Don't go wasting it trying to hit these unicorns, trying to invest in the next Uber or Facebook or Airbnb. Build the foundation first. Then make strategic decisions based on the foundation you've built. You will be better for it. And because of the head start that you have, the sky is the limit. If you want to be on Warren Buffett's level or Jeff Bezos' level, you can do it. You have the head start. You have the network. You have the relationships. You have the drive. You have the discipline. You have all these qualities. But the greed and the competitive spirit within the athlete can also be your downfall. So make sure you you build your foundation, you set your guidelines, set your discipline, your 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 budgets, your morals when it comes to what you want, what you believe you should invest in, what you believe you should invest in, save in, how you spend your money, your money management, and you will be better for it. So that's my bank notes episode of the week. It was more of a rant, but I'm glad you stuck with me. And with that being said, I'm out. Um, Stay tuned for future episodes. I'm definitely going to try to get some interviews involved. Um, It's just been so busy, you know, trying to get preseason in order. But, yeah, we're here. I appreciate you guys sticking with me. Make sure you check out the links in the description. Make sure you share with a friend. Um, We're going to continue to, you know, grow this platform. So I appreciate you guys, and I'll catch you guys later. Team Frugal, we out.